2: ayo welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2000 welcome into studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast and post-game show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson, and we have the full crew in studio today. On the far left, we got Vinny Duber, the CHGO White Sox beat writer, and I say far because he feels very, very far away from me. Hi, Vinny. (laughs) Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber, and the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Echnerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader, and we are here joining you after a 7 to nothing win for the Chicago White Sox. The Sox improved to 42 and 45 on the year. They had a doubleheader today versus the Guardians. They lost the first one 4 to 1 and won the second one 7 to nothing. We like to start with the positives and there were a lot of positives in game 2, the main one being Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease was not named an All-Star Yet, um, and, and watch out because uh, I think there's some injury reports uh, out there for a Justin Verlander, so he might not be on the roster. Dylan Cease might be making it, but he had an all star performance today. Let's look at the pitching line for Dylan Cease. Cease today went five and two thirds, allowed no runs, five hits, three walks, and struck out nine. Connor Pilkington, the former White Sox farmhand, went five innings, allowed four earned runs, six hits, allowed One walk and three Ks, but Cease had another 8-plus K game today, and he leads the MLB. This is from Codify Baseball. Most 8-plus strikeout games in MLB in 2022. Dylan Cease has 13 and leads the league. Shane McClanahan in second with 11. Corbin Burns at 10. And old friend Carlos Rodon at 9. Cease. Has been phenomenal this year, and this was another uh, example of that today, Vinny.
0: I mean, it's getting ho hum almost, right? I mean, you know, nine strikeouts from Dylan Cease, and you're like, oh, he didn't get to ten. Oh my goodness! Like, uh, the guy has been fantastic. He went out and did it again today. I don't think today you would uh, qualify as one of his most impressive outings of the year, just because he's had those games where he's had you know seven strikeouts for the through the first three innings before, and you know today it, it looked more regular. It looked more average, I guess, but it was still terrific shutout uh, performance from him in his five and two-thirds innings. Obviously, got some big help there by Reynaldo Lopez, who bailed him out after those couple of walks there in the sixth uh, to load the bases. But Listen, this is Cease. He is all-star caliber, no doubt about it. He is going to get, should his second half look like his first half, very serious consideration for the AL Cy Young Award at the end of this year. Uh, he has been the White Sox best pitcher, and uh, he did what he needed to do, even though you know it's in a very small window, just one day. Mm-hmm. But he played stopper after what was kind of a doom and gloom first game uh, of this doubleheader. Dylan Cease went out there and made sure that the White Sox were going to win tonight.
1: And I would think it was a great job by Tony and the uh, coaching staff to get him out after he walked call there in the sixth inning. You know, Sometimes we criticize Tony for leaving a pitcher in there for one batter or two batters too long, and it was good by him to see that uh, that Dylan was done and that he could not locate his pitches, especially to a guy playing his second major league game in Alex Colley. They walked on, uh, I think, a 3-2 count. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Dylan. Try to
2: locate a fastball and just overthrew it. Yeah,
1: Dylan is, you know, He should be an all-star. Even if he has to pitch on Sunday for the White Sox, they should at least give him the recognition of being an all-star. He can go check out the festivities on Monday, sit with his family, and then, you know, just chill out in the dugout on Tuesday if he does not want to pitch and he cannot pitch. So... There's no reason why he shouldn't have already been selected. And now with the news that Justin Verlander will be pitching on Sunday and Dusty says that, hey, I don't think he'll be pitching in the All-Star game, I hope the replacement is Dylan Cease. The only replacement, I think, right there for the American League is Dylan Cease.
2: And, hey, uh, we saw in 2015 – Jake Arrieta end up winning the AL or NL Cy Young after not making the All-Star game and in the second half having an ERA under one. I don't know if Dylan Cease can do that over 15 games, but hey, over the past nine games, he's been uh, pretty good. He's changed up some things. Uh, Steven, I'm going to jump to the uh, the final uh, graphic that I, I told you to I'm pull to up say, here. I'm uh, messing Steven up I, over I'm there. totally messing him up. Uh, but before his start on May 29th, uh, in nine games, in those nine games, Cease had a 424 ERA and a whip of one. 1.3 and in his last nine starts an era of 0.53 and a whip of 1.15 we see dave uh, uh, barista uh, in the chat uh, saying cyrus cease Um, so shout out to uh, (laughs) cyrus cease
1: um, and also send it in the painting as well oh yeah it's awesome thank you very much Dave. it was awesome uh, to look at. i'm gonna frame that up and i have it at my house or we can have it here i don't know if you guys want it here, but because we can't put it like anywhere where it can be shown. But I'll have it prominently figured at my house. And White Sox Tom asks, "Who cares about a meaningless game?" Dylan cease. right? Well, and what can we? All those players care about that meaningless ass game. And- well,
0: and make it and and making it less meaningless, right? I mean, I think certainly the we've been talking about fan frustration for a long time here. These White Sox have not shown yet to this point the capability to get. Out of this little sub five hundred zone that they're in, but hey, Dylan sees won them a ball game and got them closer to where they need to be. We'll see if that's how it's going to go. Starting again tomorrow, who knows? The way things have gone for this team, it it hasn't been that way. But it you got to start somewhere, and you got to. I think I saw another uh, thing earlier that was you know this is a big a big road trip and would in which they could have made it up ground and they're just and they're just staying afloat. Well, staying afloat is better than the opposite. Right. And the way that the Minnesota Twins are playing and the way that the Cleveland Guardians are playing, staying afloat means you, you could you could make something happen late in the year even though it's it really has seemed
2: and has been so disappointing to this point. And we'll get to it a little bit later, and I know it's early on in June, but right now the White Sox out of the Twins, Guardians, and, and Sox have the best record in July out of those teams. Minnesota's been struggling a lot. Cleveland's been struggling a lot. So um, it, it's been difficult. And, yeah, I mean, even if it is a meaningless game, it's not meaningless for Dylan Cease because, first off, he just got an agent this this offseason, an, an agent upgrade, and he's looking for a contract. So if the White Sox are looking to keep Dylan Cease, the more and more games like this, the higher and higher that price tag gets because now, and I think Snake Eye said it a little bit earlier, he is the MLB leader in strikeouts. He's at 142, Rue McClanahan's at 141. <laughs> so he, uh-huh. this is the, the, the strikeout leader, and if he continues this, this will be the first... White Sox player to lead the AL in strikeouts since Chris Sale when he had 274 uh, back in 2015. So, this is possibly a meaningless game, but uh, Dylan Cease possibly making history for the White Sox is anything but meaningless. Well,
0: and let's let's pump the brakes. I get wow. I get
2: I get the frustration,
0: but we are far from them playing actually meaningless games. You know what I mean? Right. We we are far from talking about uh that Dylan Cease is playing for for personal stats and, and and contract future contracts. Right now we're talking about the White Sox trying to win the AL Central and chuckle all you want and you know that that has been very difficult for them to look like they've they're capable of doing this year but that is not a wide deficit between them and the Minnesota Twins I, uh Sean we were going over some of the division leaders earlier there are teams in playoff position that are way uh way further back of their of the the leaders in their own division this was another comment I saw earlier today you know tweeting some stuff out about about Tony La Russa and getting some responses uh, and they brought up uh the the manager firings with with uh, the Angels and the Phillies, and saying, "Oh, uh, it, it didn't. It didn't work for the Angels. They're not doing very well. It did work for the Phillies. The Phillies are over 500." This this person was arguing, the Phillies at the start of the day had a bigger gap between them and the first-place team and then their division than the sub-500 White Sox did between them and the
2: Minnesota Twins. Well, and the Rays just won today. They improved to 47-40. and 40. The Twins right now are currently losing to the Brewers, so that would put them at 48-41. and 41. But the Twins lead their division at 48-41 and 41 with the, the same win percentage. The Rays will be 14.5 games back of the first-place team. They are in second place and are 14.5 games back. I think the back. Rays are in third place. Right now, I think uh, I think uh, they just won. I think Boston hasn't gone final. Okay. Yet. They opened the um, day in third yeah. place. Yeah, I think yeah. they opened the right. day in yeah. first place. Um, I think Boston's still playing. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, Boston Boston lost today. Boston lost to Tampa. There, there you, you go. go. There um, you so go. Tampa leapfrogs them, but still, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the Tampa would be
1: tied at first place with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, and the right White Sox now. are five and a half games out. The Twins are currently losing to the Brewers in Minnesota, where they don't have a fucking dome, so they're delayed. In the sixth inning. Why why would you like? Why would you? I know the Metro dump was bad, but why would you just continue having the dome stadiums? You know, because you know you live in Minneapolis where the weather is not always great. It's just dumb. Um, But the White Sox by the end of the night, while we had our thing this morning, where the White Sox played poorly. They can leave, the end of the night, five games behind the Twins. The Minnesota, weird as Minnesota Twins.
2: Yes, and if you get another win tomorrow, hopefully that brings you closer to the Guardians. Right now, you are a game and a half back of them, so you'll be a half game back if you defeat the Guardians uh, tomorrow, and you have Lucas G lead on the bump versus Aaron Savali. You should have the better pitcher in that matchup. Uh, That hasn't always worked out for the White (laughs) Sox this year, Mm -hmm. but um, it it should be interesting. I do want to continue to talk about Cease because he has been a huge bright spot uh, for the Sox. I want to look at his pitch mix from today and show you how he got it done versus the Guardians. Last time he faced the Guardians back in April, he went five and a third innings, eight hits allowed, four earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. Today, he goes five and two-thirds, uh, five hits allowed, three walks, nine Ks, no earned runs. He was much, much better today. And I think part of that is the slider. Um, he's used his slider a, a, a huge, uh, a huge jump compared to uh, May. Uh, he's just used it more and more as the season has gone on. Um, and looking at the other graphics, sorry, Stephen, not this one just yet, um, looking at the pitch mix today, Relying on the slider a ton. 54% of the time he used that today. The fastball he only used 33% of the time. The knuckle curve he used 12% of the time. And a 68% swing and miss uh, mm-hmm. a percent for the slider. Um, absolutely dominant were the slider today. 19 swings and miss all on the slider only. Uh, His called strike plus whiff percentage is at 35%. MLB average is at 27. Dylan Cease dominating, and it is just because of that slider. He's used that slider more and more. He's really found that pitch. It's at a nice uh, differential between his fastball, so it kind of works like a a changeup. Stoney's mentioned this before with Michael Kopech. Uh, Kopech's fastball is so fast, and then that slider is just at such a differential that it kind of works like a changeup. Cease has a changeup, but it's not a great one. Um, That slider kind of works like that as well. Uh, Guys just think it's a fastball the whole time and just Constantly swinging over it, and and let's look at what it's done for him. Uh, it is the best pitch in baseball right now, and it's not even used that much at the current moment. Uh, run value is a stat for Statcast. He has the best pitch in baseball according to run value at negative twenty uh, run value. That's his slider. Corbin Burns also has a negative twenty run value on his cutter, but you look at the usage there. Dylan Cease is using it far less and getting the best results out of any of the pitches in the top five. is well below any of the other usages at 56.6 being the second uh, least there. And the batting average on Dylan Cease's slider, 132. The slugging percentage, 179. It's turned him into a different pitcher completely.
1: Yeah, imagine having a 98-plus fastball and it being a secondary pitch. It's just like his slider is just so filthy. Like, we're looking at those pitches. Grown Major League Baseball players who have been tattooing balls, and Stephen Kwan, and Jimenez, and even Jose Ramirez, making them all look silly on the slider. And even if you look for it, and you know it's coming, you're still going to swing it. I mean, how many times have we saw Jose Ramirez just turn around any ball that the White Sox pitcher would throw to him? With that slider, it's the ultimate equalizer. He swung and missed a couple of those balls in the dirt, as you said. He has some deception where it looks out of the hand, like his 98 mile per hour fastball, and then just falls off the table. And it has so much movement, so much life. And you were saying today that it doesn't have today's slider, didn't have as much life as he usually has. So to get 68% of those whiffs on that slider, Phenomenal.
2: Yeah, and he was using it a little bit uh, uh, harder today. It was a little bit harder of a slider. Uh, The miles per hour up uh, about a tick, um, about one mile per hour faster than what he was usually doing. Uh, So that meant he got less vertical break and less horizontal break uh, on the slider today, about four less inches horizontally, about three less inches vertically, but still getting those swings and misses because he's able to locate and we saw him get into a little bit trouble with the walks he currently leads the majors in walks with I think 46 at this point but it still hasn't been able to hurt him because guys just haven't been able to hit him this entire year
0: yeah I mean that's that's an easy way to minimize the damage from walks when everybody else you're striking out and they they have to stay where they where they get put but um, I mean listen he's he's definitely got room to improve still right which is crazy to think we're talking about the guy who leads the majors in strikeouts lead, you know is is an all-star caliber pitcher we're talking to him about him very nonchalantly as a Cy Young candidate and every time you bring up him at all to anybody involved with the White Sox it's yeah and he's getting better yeah <laughs> and there's more to go um, I mean folks might have seen my story on him from a couple of days ago where Lucas Giolito told me the ceiling for this guy in talking about cease is multiple home or multiple Cy Young awards. I mean, that's now you're talking about if that's something that actually happens, you're flirting with hall of fame candidacy there. So, um, they're very, very excited that this is what they're seeing. They're very, very excited
2: from for what's still to come. Yeah, they should be because it just feels like the confidence is growing. The uh, the feel for these pitches is growing. Uh, and, and like you said, when your secondary pitch
1: is a 98-mile-per-hour fastball, uh, that's tough to contend and with. And we are watching the game where he was facing Jose Ramirez, and those mistake slider he threw up in mm-hmm. the zone – Jose Ramirez couldn't do anything with it because he was expecting it to go to the ground, and then also he has to protect for the 98-mile-per-hour fastball, and he was late on it. He fouled it over the Cleveland Guardians dugout. That tells me that he's fooling these guys. Like, on a hanging slider, Jose Ramirez versus the White Sox, that ball is supposed to be deposited into the right-field bleachers. But no, he was very late on a ball that was, what, 90 miles per hour, 89 miles per hour? Mm -hmm. You should be looking dead red in that situation. No, he was confused on how Dylan was throwing him. He's becoming like a actual pitcher with great stuff. Like, he has great stuff before, but now he's playing with these guys. He's well, he's working the counts in and out. He's using these pitches in different times. Like, how many times did he throw 98-mile-per-hour fastball down the middle and just freeze guys? Like, he did that with a fastball twice, and I think he did it with a knuckle curve one time. So, these guys are just like, I don't know what's coming. And when it does come... It's filthy. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to
2: go into this one question uh, that they brought up on the broadcast today, talking about Game 1 and Game 2. You knew Bieber was starting Game 1. You knew Cease was starting Game 2. Why not have Cease versus Bieber in Game 1 and then have Davis versus Pilkington to, I guess, kind of give you a chance? Uh, Steve Stone said that, you know, The idea, I think, is the White Sox have never had success against Bieber. He had a 95-pitch, you know, one-earn-run complete game today, and I think the White Sox have an OPS against against him uh, uh, under 550. So they've had lifelong struggles against Bieber. But what are your thoughts on possibly having a more competitive pitching matchup or balancing the pitching matchups a little bit more?
0: It's weird. The first thing that comes to my mind is actually routine. It's actually, you know, we've seen – uh, from Lucas Giolito numerous times uh, where he has preferred to pitch in the evening. Um, you know, maybe that's just a personal preference for him. But I think, too, when you've got this weird noon start in the middle of a series, uh, obviously Dylan has pitched, you know, on Sunday afternoon games before and stuff like that. He's not uh, unaccustomed to it. But perhaps the preference is that he stays in his routine and he gets ready for that, that evening start, that uh, 7 o'clock local time start that these guys are just used to doing. Uh, Starting pitchers are uh, very, very, very dedicated to their routines, and and maybe that's a a factor in letting your guy kind of continue to – Stay in the zone that he's been in for the, for however long you mentioned the last nine starts now that he's been grooving. Um, maybe that has something to do with it. Again, I don't think that uh, you know. Let's say the uh, tomorrow was a regular getaway day kind right. of schedule, and it happened to fall there. I don't think Dylan's saying, "Oh no, I can't pitch tomorrow." But there might be something to just kind of leaving him in the regularly
1: scheduled time slot, so to speak. The only thing I would say is that you would probably want your better pitcher pitching the earlier game just in case that first pitcher gets rocked. Or, like, if Davis Martin would have got rocked today, now you got to use your whole bullpen, and you don't know maybe... uh, they, those people will not be available for the second game, so you wouldn't have the Kendall Gravemans and the Ray Lo, Ronaldo Lopez is maybe not available for that second game. But the way Tony used the bullpen, there's no uh chance of happening there. But yeah, I can understand why you don't go against Shane Bieber, you're like, okay, the hitters are not going to give him enough support. Yeah, Dylan's probably going to shove out there, give up one or less runs but you don't want that effort to be wasted on an uh, offense that's not going to get any runs off of this uh, chain Bieber. So let's try well, to get one. We know we got that second one and see if Davis Martin can give us a good effort, which he did, and the hitters are like, mm, three hits, here you go. Right, and <laughs> do what you want with this. And, too, I mean, if the White Sox hitters, you know, you're
2: kind of looking for them to win that game for you against Bieber, where, you know, obviously Dylan Cease just completely shut down The Guardians today, that would have, you know, if the White Sox got one run off of Connor Pilkington, they still would have won this game today.
0: Well, I would say this, too. I think Davis Martin has shown that he can put the White Sox in a position to win. And so, I mean, let's put it this way. It's not like they were sending out a bullpen game against, against Shane Bieber or, you know, a lot of people sometimes suggest this I don't think that's this is what the team is thinking but a lot of fans will sometimes look at a pitching or you know a pitching decision for one half of a double header and say okay they're hoping to win one of these two kind of thing Um, I think they have confidence in Davis Martin not to go out and be as good as Shane Bieber perhaps (laughs) but to put the White Sox in a position to win and heck I think he did that today right and
2: two you're expecting that your offense will probably put a little bit more pressure on Bieber you'd hope that he'd get to 100 pitches and you know, force their hand to take them out. The White Sox offense never did that. So even if, you know, they, 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 you know, Davis Martin gave them a shutout today, you know, I guess they would have won one nothing, but uh, it would have been a real hard fought battle right Right. there. But yeah, Davis Martin gave them enough of an effort uh, to get a win today. I bet against them in that game and I bet against them on my favorite sports book. I also bet... Uh, on them uh, in, in the second game. So, you know, I won money today with my favorite sports book, PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all the web content and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. PointsBet's your home for live in-play betting and it just got even better. If you see an edge in the game you're watching, if your favorite team is primed for a comeback, don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. There's more live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs with the PointsBet app. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO and you sign up. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner is a brand new partner to our chgo family chicago sports fans your home for the best chicago sports coverage is partnering with a leader in the sports merchandise and collectibles industry chgo has teamed up with foco to secure your access to the best collectibles and gear around whether it's bears cubs white Sox, blackhawks bulls FOCO will have something for you, your kid, a friend, or loved one. Looking to get some new gears, collectibles, or accessories? FOCO has officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids with everything from bobbleheads to swimsuit to Crocs. FOCO has you covered with the best Chicago merchandise of your favorite team. Head on over to FOCO.com. That F-O-C-O com or click the link below in the YouTube description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off, and we're real excited to welcome FOCO into our CHGO family here. So, again, use promo code CHGO for 10% off at FOCO, F-O-C-O, dot com. All right. Uh, we have a super chat. Yes, we do. We got to get to. Uh, Jared Faust says, Wow, a ducking win, and I didn't mean Duck Uh, seven to nothing (laughs) White Sox get the win when they hit three home runs which probably isn't shocking it also helps that the uh, the pitching staff blanked the Guardians Uh, let's get into those three home runs Jose Abreu hit a two-run home run in the first inning then in the second inning a home run was hit by a player that we'll get to a little bit later and then in the ninth inning Luis Robert hit a three-run homer but Herb yes you called it on the pregame You said Josh Harrison was hitting a home run, and in the second inning, he took one over the big wall in left field at Progressive Field off Connor Pilkington, exactly like you said.
1: I am a blind squirrel today. I found my nut, nut, finally. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just felt that Josh Harrison has been doing so well, and a pitcher like Connor Pilkington would be the perfect opportunity for him to slug a home run off of him. Yeah, it was good to see him just turn on that ball. He's been playing so spectacularly on the defensive end and offense has been all all right, but it's good to have a third home run by Josh Harrison on the year for the White Sox and them looking like they had confidence versus somebody on the mound. Like they were taking pitches deep. They were hitting balls, they were fouling off balls early in the game and then like we got fo- we got four runs. We're good. We're we're, we're calm down, guys. We're 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 not going to hit until the ninth inning. But it was good to see that they took it to him early, as I thought maybe, you know, that uh, Andrew Vaughn hitting the ball and he beat it out the uh, the ground ball double play. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, the White Sox are not going to score this inning. And then Jose Abreu, opposite field home run, to give them a little lift in that first inning because so many times you see that and it's like deflating. You start off the game so well and then the White Sox fail and flail in the uh, on the offensive side. But today, good times. Listen, home runs, that's what we've been waiting to see from this White Sox team for a long
0: time. I mean, they still rank near the bottom of the league in that category and all the power-hitting categories, really. Uh, it, it, is, it remains surprising that a team with this lineup is not hitting more home runs than they have been. Three home runs in one game, I think, uh, under normal circumstances for this White Sox lineup would not be terribly notable, uh, you know, other than being a good job done by then. Um, but today... In the way that the season has gone, it's like shocking, and, and finally in a, in a good way for the White Sox uh, after so much shocking bad for them in a, <laughs> uh, throughout throughout the first three-plus months here. But um, they need to do this on a very regular basis if they're going to to turn things around and if they're going to be uh, anywhere close to the team that uh, we
1: all thought that they would be when the season started. Now, I, I want to ask the question to you, Vinny and Sean do you think the hitters get juiced up when they know a player like Dylan Ceases on the bump and say, you know what, we got a chance to win this game, so let's do this, that, and the other on the offensive side to get him that win?
0: Uh, you know, I think that I think baseball is very much an individual uh, game in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think that, you know, you'll even hear when when pitchers are asked about, uh, you know, oh, what was it like when, when the offense rallied or what was it like uh, watching uh, your, your opposing pitcher uh, have a really good game? And it's very much like, oh, well, you know, I had to go do my job. You know, I couldn't really impact that. Um, I think that seeing good is probably helpful, right? And yeah. so when you've got – a, an offense going out there and providing some early runs that's probably helpful to a pitcher when you've got a pitcher really performing really well it, you know we talk about it being contagious right uh, whether it's whether it's hitting whether it's pitching uh, whether it's you know just running or whether it's some sort of intangible thing I think it can all be contagious and uh, to see Dylan cease go out and pitch as well as he's been pitching for the last you know 10 starts now at this point is obviously going to be a positive thing for everybody in that locker room. Uh, There's probably a little bit of, hey, we got to make up for what happened in that first game. Uh, There's probably a little bit of just, you know, it finally worked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I don't think you can really peg it down to one reason why they have three hits in the first game and score seven runs in the
2: second game, but... You know. Well, I hate to peg it down. I think it's just because there was a left-hander on the mound. I mean, that's the real sure. thing. I, I, sure. I think it's less about Dylan Cease being on the mound and, and winning it for the gipper here. Um, the White Sox before today had an OPS versus right-handers at 662. That's probably around 660 now after how bad they were against Bieber. And against left-handers, they have an 800 OPS. So sure, but, you know, but I would I say this. That. This
0: game looks a lot different If it, from, from a how-do-you-feel-about-the-win standpoint. If Luis doesn't hit that home run in the ninth inning. Yes. Just true. because a seven to nothing blowout win is a lot different than a four to nothing win where the pitching was fantastic, but the offense got all their runs early and even their fourth run they scored on an error. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, so I think again it's, it's one swing of the bat, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you hate to, to say that it's going to do anything, but it certainly, in hindsight, makes the game look a lot different than it could have otherwise.
2: Yeah, and that's fair because even in that moment, if it's 4 nothing, Luis doesn't hit that home run, we probably see Hendricks. And I think that was a good point made by uh, Jason Benetti. I think they ended up saving three arms that just didn't end up pitching today, Hendricks being one of them, I think. Uh, Joe Kelly pitched in the first game. Uh, but, you know, they saved Hendricks completely today. So they'll have... a. F- fresh uh, and uh, ready to go Hendricks tomorrow, no matter what. So absolutely, it's it's a good point that, you know, that, that home run by Robert is for naught, and that was off a right-handed uh, pitcher anyway. So uh, uh, that was definitely good to see. Um, but yeah, I don't know if they get up more for cease or not. I just think it's all about yeah, strategy. And Cease would be how you're what eighteen
0: it. and zero or whatever it is if right. he hadn't if he hadn't <laughs> if they got up for it every time. So certainly that's the case. But again, and has been so good. He, they're five and six when right, he's on the ball. Exactly. I mean, it's just consistency. It's just they they they've got to they've got to find consistency. A night like tonight makes you think or shows you reminds you of what they're capable of doing. But you got to do it on a more regular basis, certainly a far more regular basis than they've done it this far.
2: Right, and part of it, too, is walks. They didn't walk in the first game at all. They uh, had three walks in the second game, which was great to see. And also you saw deeper counts in the first game. A lot of uh, uh, at-bats were against Burke Bieber where it was three pitches or less where they were getting out on. I think there was a stat from Jordan Lazowski that said there was 49 outs in the series before Game two today, and I think 31 of those uh, were an out made before the uh, before the third pitch uh, of the at-bat. So I think it's all about approach. It's all about plate discipline, and it's all about, you know, aggressiveness. I think the White Sox are clearly way too over-aggressive, and, and, and I just think that that plays into part of it. You're seeing a left-handed better, you see better, you know, the, the, the pitch is a little bit better, leads to more walks, leads to seeing more pitches, and, and leads to more damage.
1: And I'm sure they're probably more jazzed up when they do see a left-hander because they treat them like they do with the 800 OPS that you uh, figure. But Pilkington's no different than the right-handed uh, pitchers that they see, and they struggle mightily, and I guess get it. It's different side of the, the – uh, the mound, and so it comes out different, and you can see the ball a little bit better if you're a right-handed hitter, and the White Sox really don't have lefty power as of yet. I mean, Gavin Sheets has shown a little bit. You saw Moncada with the home run yesterday, but it's been few and far between with lefty power or power in general. So, yes, I think also a mindset, they're like, oh, we got a lefty. Let's get up. Let's go, guys. Let's go, and I'm sure that's the mentality. Somebody like we do has a filthy slider like, Ugh, it's going to be a tough day out there. You know, the mindset has to be different when you got a pitcher on the mound. Like tomorrow, Aaron Savali is like, hey, dudes, we've had success against Aaron Savali in the past. And, yes, sometimes he's had our number. But F Aaron Savali. Let's go out and crush this dude and give Lucas a chance to win this game. and Because I, I know Lucas in his last couple starts has more likely than not given us a chance to win these games. So let's go and crush this dude like we did with Connor Pilkington.
0: And hey, I mean th- they think that that's the key. Certainly talking to Liam Hendricks, that that's what he says the key is is they need that they need that that mindset back. They need that attitude back. I mean, you remember uh Tim Anderson all the stuff that he was saying in the offseason before last uh before the 2021 year, yeah. you know, when he's saying they're clearly better than the Twins, they're the best team in the American League. I mean, they thought that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh he, I think that you heard after 2021, that, that was something that maybe had been missing. That, you know, that in 2020, they thought they were going to go out and, and, and step on everybody. And, you know, maybe in 2021, that was missing a little bit. 20, or at least, you know, in the, toward the end, especially in the playoffs. Um, this year, they haven't had that attitude yet. Or if they have, it has not worked out. Um, I, I think that if they suddenly think what they used to think, that they can go out there and beat everybody, and granted, that's hard to do when the record is what it is, and you you know you're experiencing these defeats on a on a pretty regular basis. But according to Hendricks, that's 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 a key here is is getting that mindset back and getting in your head that you can beat these guys before you actually sh- see yourself doing it.
2: And you'd love to see it too, because uh, this team is just. I mean, you could just look at any stat, but I think this just kind of shows that. Mindset not being there, the White Sox now just tied the Kansas City Royals for home run total. Uh, they both have 72 home Absolutely runs this year, uh, which is ugly. 25th in the league at 72 home runs, which, you know, you look at that, uh, that Royals lineup. They just got rid of uh, Carlos Santana uh, and, and somehow they're, you know, <laughs> they're still not hitting. Uh, you know, they're, they're still hitting as good as the White Sox out power wise. So you got to
1: fake it till you make it. If they don't believe it, trick your mind. We are the best. Fake it until you make it, and then you you can visualize it and then make sure it happens in the games. And then once you see it, continue. Well, and hey. The positivity
2: will continue. Visualize it, and and maybe you just start – Uh, maybe manifesting it. Maybe you start putting better things into your body like Owen. Uh, I have to tell you about Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% (laughs) thank you uh, plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. If you hit three home runs in a game, you're going to need something that's free of artificial ingredients. You're going to need something that's allergy uh, friendly. You're going to need something that's gluten or dairy free uh, because clearly, especially when it's hot out, as we know from Ron Burgundy, milk, is a bad choice. So you can go <laughs> with so a damn hot. dairy-free option in hot-ass Cleveland, uh, and it's easily digestible when you're running around the bases. I've used it when I have uh, been moving around or post-workout, and it does provide me with a great sense of energy, fuel. I feel well-rested, and I, I feel well-energized. I think it's a great boost of energy for me uh, when I'm having one of those Hard physical labor days, just like quarterback Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. That's where I first heard about Owen, and Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields follows a plant-based diet. You see him running around on Sundays. He's putting a lot of energy out into the world and then getting it all back Being powered by Owen. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L I V E O W Y N.com. And with the code CHGO20, you can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen. It's only what you need. And I see our guy, Clark Reamer. Uh, popped up right there, and I want to go to a comment that he had a little bit earlier, Steven, because he said after spending most of my post game with you guys, and we've seen Clark in here a ton. He bought his first CHGO annual membership. So welcome to the club. Thank you, Clark. Very, very happy to have you. And if you want to be like the beautiful, beautiful Clark, you can go to allchgo.com and you can become a member there. Members like Clark get access to our CHGO Discord. It is the CHGO Lounge where you get to talk to all sorts of White Sox fans. I saw Say Ferris down there uh, who says it's a cringy transition. Uh, You also complimented Sox Unprotected, which was cringy. Worst account uh, on White Sox Twitter right there. Um, (laughs) But, you know, if if you want to become a member, uh, you get access into the CHGO lounge. You get to meet people like Clark and Save Ferris. You get a free CHGO t-shirt, which could be Herb's option right there. You got the Skyline one uh, for maybe you got a Cubs fan in your life. There's a brand new Cubs shirt that Luke Stuckmeyer is wearing, and we have a brand new Sox one uh, if you have some Southside bias. So make sure that you go to allchgo.com because you get that free t-shirt, you get access to the CHGO lounge, and you get access to Vinny's Fantastic writing. So, if you're looking to read about the White Sox clubhouse and the rumors and what Vinny's view is on that clubhouse and how he sees them meshing on a day to day basis, if you're reading or want to read about Dylan Cease's fantastic year and what Lucas Giolito may have to say about the White Sox current ace, all of that is at allchgo.com. Members get access to Vinny's great writing and all of our writers' great writing, a free t shirt. And access into the CHGO lounge. So come so go, join much. Uh, Clark. Yeah, so much. It's so much. Uh, to come join Clark and all of our fun, fantastic uh, uh, White Sox fans in the CHGO lounge. And we got to, you know, if you're a Bears fan, Hawks fan, we got so many fans. Uh, so many people uh, talking uh, Chicago sports in the CHGO Lounge. We mentioned it a little bit, but the White Sox take on the Guardians tomorrow. The final matchup uh, before the White Sox will end up going to Minnesota for a four-game series before the All-Star game break. It's Lucas Giolito versus Aaron Savale. Lucas Giolito, he's been on a little bit of a, a comeback uh, since the Angels game. He's looked real good. It looked real good against the Angels, looked real good against the Giants all right in his last start giving up five earned runs but there was definitely still some classic Lucas in that what
1: are we expecting from Lucas tomorrow in the series finale I'm expecting him to go out and do what he's been doing as of late trusting his pitchers trusting the catcher to to put down the right signs and focusing on just executing the next pitch it seems so many times that he had troubles is where he just lost focus on in one inning and you just get beat like the last game We, some of us, thought that he was left in the game for a couple of hitters too late, but it's his job while he's out there to execute his pitches. No matter if Tony or Ethan Katz is not taking him out of the game, hell, do your job. And versus Cleveland, this is a big one. This is what we need. We need to split this series and go to uh, Minnesota no further back than, well, currently it's five and a half games. The uh, Twins are currently losing two. They've resumed that game to the Brewers in the sixth inning. So... We could be five games after tonight. And then if we win tomorrow and, and the twins happen to lose to the Brewers again, go to that game and on Thursday where it's tied up or we can have a chance to be tied up before the all-star break. So Lucas just has to execute his pitches, not worry about the all the stuff on the outside. Whatever one, whichever pitch is working, a secondary pitch, either slider or his changeup, use it. As we've seen Dylan Cease go to a slider because it was working. And not go away from it because, you know, you think the guys are on it. No, just go to that pitch. And then lately it's been it's more of a changeup that's been working for him. So I would want him just to focus on every pitch, get the job done. If we get three earned runs or less, I think the White Sox can win that game versus Aaron Savale. We're, we're about to
0: find out how big Lucas Giolito and the White Sox think this, this game is, think this series is right now. Because what, what did Lucas Giolito do really, really well over the last couple of years? Gets up for the big games. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I remember back to last year game against Houston on the South Side. Game against Milwaukee uh, up in Milwaukee. Plays. He, he comes to play against good teams in big moments. Obviously, you can go all the way back to the twenty twenty mm-hmm. playoff game in Oakland. Um last that game? And then what about playing throwing against Minnesota up in Minnesota? That that's twenty nineteen, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, he gets up for them. He gets up for these big games. He knows when the when the lights are the brightest. He knows when they need a win. You, obviously, he has not been the guy that he wants to be so far this season, but you know it's in him, and you know that he has been working every uh, every damn day in between with Ethan Katz, with his buddy Ethan Katz, <laughs> to get back to what he considers normal. So uh, we're going to find out um, exactly how uh, big of a deal these White Sox think these games are because Lucas Giolito, the guy that feeds off big deal games, is going to be on the mound tomorrow. Liam Hendricks called it, called it crucial, called it crunch time last week. Now, now we're going to find out if they, they really think that.
2: So I'm, I'm, I want to talk about that Liam thing in a, in a second, but let's just go to Lucas versus Cleveland because if this is that big of a game for the White Sox, this is the guy that you want on the bump for the Sox. Since 2019, he has had four starts versus the Guardians where he's allowed at least a run. Outside of that, he had a, a shutout. I mean, one, shut le- one, one or, l- or less, uh, one or less, or one or more. Um, hold on. So I. Ooh, uh, so he's had. Let's let's do the math here because I'm the math guy. You are. Um, he has had five starts, allowing no runs. Okay, that's very he good. Has, he has allowed one run in two starts. Okay, and he has allowed two earned runs in two starts. Okay, so five starts of no earned runs. One start or two starts of one earned run and two starts of two earned runs. Or a total of nine where you would allow two or fewer. Thank you. And if we keep doing the math a little bit further, that is uh, nine starts uh, and that is nine earned runs. So that's pretty damn good.
1: That's good. Yeah, that'll work. That'll if will any of those performances, I'll take any of those performances from Lucas Giolito tomorrow. Any of them. The zero runs will be awesome, too. Well,
2: and last game that he had against some uh, seven-innings pitch, which I think is a, a real crucial part for this White Sox team. Uh, Dylan wasn't able to get to six today. Although Lopez did a fantastic fantastic job Mercy. coming in uh, for relief for uh, them today. Uh, but if Dylan's able to go out, and or Lucas is able to go out and give them seven innings tomorrow, I think that's a huge relief for the Sox because then you get a truly fresh bullpen or as close to a fresh bullpen as you can get going into that Minnesota series. Um, But let's go to the Liam comment because I think we all felt that, you know, it was 15 games, versus uh the AL Central in 14 days, then it's 8 games in 7 days versus the AL Central and you see, you know, you get off to a 1 and 2 start versus the uh the Guardians in that 8 game str- uh, that set 8 game stretch in 7 days and then versus Minnesota you get down 1 to 2. It felt like this team wasn't even getting themselves that uh that leg up. So, I don't know, what have you thought about their way of coming out of the gates in these big moments or big stretches because Liam obviously notices it's a big stretch, but you know they're coming out and, and and starting off. You know one one and two in those big stretches.
0: I mean that's been the season. That's been the story of the season. They, they do something big, that looks like it's going to be the the launch the launch for them, and then they take a step backwards. Mm-hmm. And you know whether it's because a guy gets injured, whether it's because they lose in an embarrassing fashion, whether it's because they make some mistakes on the base paths, uh, whether they get a a an uncommonly bad start from one of their starting pitchers, or just can't hit, which of course has been a year-long thing Um, that's really been the story of the year is that any big moment that you would get going that you would get excited for is slammed shut the door is slammed shut right on you you'd be at the next day or two days later Um, they're in order to to dig out of this hole they got to string together wins I know we've got people have been saying literally the entire thing that you know you can't talk about a turnaround until they win five games yeah you're probably right Mm -hmm. Probably might even be a little too early to talk about a turnaround if they win five games because that just gets them a little above 500, right? I mean, they need to turn this around in a big way. Uh, They're not going to do it if they keep doing what they've been doing all year, which is every time something good happens, something bad comes along to to counter it. They need to string some consistent good together, uh, and they know that this is an opportunity to not just do that against a Cleveland and a Minnesota teams that have not pulled away, but they could not only do it, but they could do it and catch the division leaders, and all of a sudden they could be you know, challenging for the division lead, have the division lead,
1: and they still are just in the process of getting up off the mat. I'm going to quote one of my good friends, Matt Weber. The White Sox have played their worst baseball and are only down five and a half games. The players got to think about that all the time. It's like, we've played like shit, guys, and that team's not going away from us. Let's start over the season. Whatever happened in the past is the past. We're a better team than Minnesota. We're a better team than the Cleveland Guardians. And start believing in that stuff. And go out from here on out and play the way you need to be played. Because they have the easiest schedule out of the three teams here. So, that's all they have to think about. Like, we haven't played our best. And, yes, good congratulations to all the teams, all the people dunking on us and talking about our manager and talking about our front office and our owner. But, hell, we still have our destiny in our own hands. Whatever we need to do, We can do still, and the Minnesota Twins are not going to run away from us. We've seen what the Cleveland Guardians do. They're not that special, so all they need to do is focus on themselves, play for each other, and this division is still theirs. That's all they have to think about. And to that point, the White Sox haven't been uh, as far as back as six
2: and a half games. They've only been uh, back six and a half games twice. And that's the furthest deficit that they've had in the division. And that's for a team that hasn't been at 500 since June 21st and haven't been above 500 since May 25th. And has they were just 22 a, and 21.
0: And has just a horrendous run differential. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still, I, I think Certainly it's...
2: Certainly 7 nothing win will help
0: that out a little bit, but yeah. But minus 37. Still 30, one of the worst in baseball.
2: Yeah, yeah. minus 37 uh, today. And, and even the Guardians, who you're only a game and a half back, at minus 9. So you can just see the disparity uh, there. I think if you... I mean, there's... The only comparable team I think the White Sox compared to run differential-wise are the 39 and 48 Diamondbacks, who are in fourth place in the NL West. Dallas Keuchel's Arizona Diamondbacks. (laughs) Yes, Dallas Keuchel's Arizona Diamondbacks and your mean Mercedes San Francisco Giants uh, competing for third place in the NL West. Uh, And we kind of talked about this, you know, uh, the fact that the White Sox are still in it, even though they've been bad since May basically a below 500 team since May, but let's look at these stats uh, by month. This is the AL Central's record by month. We don't need to pay attention to uh, Cleveland. Uh, or, uh, we don't need to pay attention to Kansas City or Detroit in this. We'll just pay attention to Minnesota, Cleveland and the White Sox in April. Minnesota went 12-9. and Cleveland went 9-12. and The White Sox went 8-12 and uh, in May. The Twins went 18 and 12, Cleveland went 12 and 12, and the Sox went 15 and 12 in June. Minnesota went 13 and 5, Cleveland went 18 and 10, the Sox went 12 and 15. But right now, and it's looking like I think Minnesota will fall to 5 and 6 after today's game in July. Cleveland's 4 and 9 in the Sox above 500 7 and 6. They win tomorrow 8 and 6. So I don't know if they're turning a corner. We use that and you know I think you need like you said, a, probably a 5 game win streak to truly say that this team is turned a corner, but signs of life, maybe? <laughs> fair? Again, I'll go back to the point I said earlier.
0: Even if it's just staying afloat, it's better than the alternative of sinking. And, you know, uh, with the way that, that Minnesota and Cleveland have played, as you outlined it there, staying afloat is not the, uh, is not, quite literally, not the worst thing that could happen. Um, it's uh, certainly uh, something that could allow them to hang around long enough to figure things out. Um, but again, it's all about consistency. There's no, there's no point in talking about t- tonight's game as a step in the right direction if tomorrow they step in the opposite direction
2: right and we, we talked I we were walking up the stairs and I said with the Sox team it's two steps forward and then a step back or, or two you know one step forward two steps back just like the Paula Abdul song um the one with song. the cartoon cat yes, yes.
1: DJ scat yes. cat I believe his name yeah. is. Yeah. DJ scat yeah. cat
2: the legend the <laughs> white Sox legend um rest in peace and rest in peace to DJ Scat cat <laughs> I mean the thing was in the 90s. DJ Skats. statcast
1: uh, stat cat uh, DJ it's not statcast. <laughs> it's DJ stat cat DJ <laughs> yeah, stat cat yes scat cat like yeah. jazz, scat, yeah. scatting. Yeah.
2: Scat I'm cat. the scat man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're killing him even more. <laughs> <laughs> he's rolling um, in his grave right now. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> DJ, <laughs> DJ Scat Cat is dead. Cats don't live that long. This in the 90s. <laughs> he's a cartoon. He's a, he's a, he's a fictional character. Bugs uh,
2: Bunny isn't dead. That's a and bunny, a, though. <laughs> uh, do bunnies live that much longer than cats? Probably not. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, who's a cat? Who's a cartoon? <laughs> Sylvester. Sylvester's a Tom cat. Tom died like seven times. They He's got two lives, yeah, two lives go. to spare. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, White Jared's Sox dick. taking on Aaron <laughs> er- uh, Savale. I-, I do think this is one hell of a matchup for the Sox. Uh, this is kind of what you need. You want Lucas Giolito that that red ass mentality that he's shown in uh, in postseason games before you mentioned the minnesota start back in august um this is the guy that you want on the bump uh to hopefully at least split the series against the guardians uh giolito i finally got the full stats but since 2019 after he stopped being the worst pitcher in baseball worst pitcher in baseball thank you vinny uh <laughs> nine games starts started versus the uh the guardians 59 innings pitched. He's allowed six earned runs. That's an ERA of .92. Uh, he's got a WHIP of one versus the Guardians. It's been total utter domination versus the Guardians for Lucas Giolito. The Guardians are hitting 188, 259, and 285 versus Giolito for an OPS under. Uh, uh, 550 so it sounds exactly like what Shane Bieber does to the White Sox so they have their their stopper hopefully their their ace uh, to put all their eggs in their basket uh, uh, tomorrow and they're going up against Savali who against the White Sox in his career 35 innings pitched 20 earned runs allowed an ERA of 5.14 and eight home runs allowed in those 35 innings, four last year in seven and two-thirds innings. This is the guy that you want to face because he's been bad. He's got an ERA over five. Like, I know we've talked a lot about this this year, Herb, and and the White Sox going up against right-handed pitching, but this is a guy who's asked you've kicked every time you've seen him, basically.
1: And I'm sure, like the the, uh, Cleveland Guardians going into tomorrow, like, this fucker's been great against us. I mean, this Luke Sciolito has been dominating us for a long time. I'm sure the White Sox hitters are going to sleep like, man, we got Aaron Savali tomorrow. Let's eat, guys. We're, let's go in and attack them like we usually do. So that's got to feel good going into the game. I mean, we see this with people who, uh, like you were just talking about, Shane Bieber. The White Sox, I'm sure, were like, golly, this is a really tough pitcher. And you saw what Tony and the pitching staff did. They're like, we don't want to have our top guy go against Shane Bieber because we know he's going to shut down our guys. So – that attitude, that mentality is instilled right there in both teams. And I believe the White Sox will do what's necessary to get the job done tomorrow to get out of Cleveland with the two-game split, which I think, and I told you before when I think it was our Friday show after they lost to Detroit, all I need them to do is go 4-4 and on this road trip. I don't care where they come from. More likely, I would want them, if they're only going to win, they're going to win the majority of the games in Minnesota, I would take that. But 4-4. and I know we want to try to catch these guys all up in one time, but no, just hold water. As Vinny was saying, just don't lose ground. You stay here, you beat Cleveland, go to Minnesota and get two games out there too. So yeah, I think they're going to have a good mentality tomorrow and start the game off right versus uh, aaron savale and maybe we can just expand that conversation if they go four and four over
2: these last eight games they'll be uh two games below 500 heading into the all-star break and we can kind of just end the discussion here um if the white Sox are sitting two games below 500 you guys confident that this team could win the al central at, at that
1: point oh yeah yeah, I that's all they need to do because all the games they have remaining with Minnesota, who's leading the league or leading the division right now, and still a lot of games with the Guardians. So yeah, if they're if they hold water, I still believe the White Sox can win this division. Losing this game tomorrow and then going uh losing three out of four to Minnesota, that's gonna put you in a trick bag. Still have a chance, but I'm gonna have less face that the White Sox can get the job done if they do not win these games out in Minnesota in tomorrow's game in Cleveland. Could they do it? Absolutely. Have they shown that, that to this point
0: this season that they can do it? No, they have not. So are they going to do it? I have absolutely no idea.
2: See, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and I got this one guy who's like all up on Vinny's jockstrap and in my, in my Twitter mentions being like, Vinny carries water. C- come on. Like, Vinny Duber is not giving you crap. Vinny Duber is just telling you what they're saying, and he clearly, I mean, he, you you have seen this team play baseball. You're not selling a, a bill of goods here. Um, I, I don't know. I just want to defend my guy because, I don't know, people annoy me on Twitter, uh, like most people. Uh, but anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. You can follow Everybody on Twitter, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. You can follow Herb Lawrence on Twitter, at EchnerWall23. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. The game tomorrow, a late one. We will have a 5.30 pregame for you. Chucks. And the postgame will be after the final out is recorded. It's Lucas Giolito versus Aaron Civale. Um And, yeah, I love Vinny's response. No clue what will happen because <laughs> we have no clue. Uh, we'd love to see some White Sox wins, but... I don't know. That's not our job. It's their job. Uh, You can follow the Twitter account uh, at CHGO underscore White Sox. We appreciate Steven Nicholas for his production. And thank you for everyone. That is hanging out in the live stream, in the live chat. Very fun to chat with all of you White Sox fans. And thank you, Clark, for joining uh, us at allchgo.com. If you want to become a member, sign up, get access to free articles, you get a free shirt, and you get access to our CHGO Discord. Uh, CHGO Discord. It's a lot of fun there. But thank you to Fleetwood Mac for your 1979 album, Tusk. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go White Sox.